Hey everyone, my name is Stephanie and my name is Mara. Welcome to Quality of Life. We interview patients and providers about topics in palliative care medicine. Today's topic is hospice. This podcast is supported by the Duke Chancellor Service Fellowship. It is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. In episode one, we learned that a common misconception of palliative care is that it is end-of-life care, when in fact, that is only one aspect of palliative care. Another term for end-of-life care is hospice care. In this episode, we will hear from providers who will define hospice care and explain the distinction between hospice and palliative care. We will end the episode by hearing from the widower of a former patient who describes his experience with hospice. If you listened to episode one, you've already heard part of their story. First, we'll hear from Dr. Jason Webb, a palliative care physician, who will provide some information on the difference between palliative and hospice care. Um, So my name is Dr. Jason A. Webb. I'm a a general internist, general psychiatrist, and palliative care specialist uh, here at Duke University and Health System, um, and spend most of my clinical work um, in palliative care working with cancer patients. So it's a common misconception that all palliative care is actually hospice care. And unfortunately, even in 2018, um, a lot of other clinicians, doctors, nurses still have that misconception. Um, Palliative care um, can be provided alongside curative care. And actually, good palliative care should begin pretty much from the time that someone gets diagnosed with a serious illness. So from the time that someone gets diagnosed with advanced cancer, heart failure, dementia, they could be seeing a palliative care clinician while they're actively getting Um, what we may call aggressive medical therapies, um, particularly to address symptoms like pain or things like psychological distress, like anxiety, distress, um, depression. Um, Hospice is a specialized type of palliative care. It's palliative care for patients who are at the end of life. So patients can be followed by a palliative care specialist for years and years. And then if their disease becomes more of a terminal illness, um, hospice is palliative care at the very end of life and usually within the last six months of life. Next, we'll hear from Dr. Galanos. Formerly, I'm Anthony Nicholas Galanos, a, a palliative care attending and have been at Duke for almost 30 years. We asked Dr. Galanos why so many people seem to die in the hospital when research indicates that the majority of them would prefer to die at home. Well, there, there's a clear transition point or change in what happened Clearly in the 1800s, people died at home, cared for by their families, and there was not a great fear of death, nor was there a great fight against death. And then I'm old enough to remember President Nixon launching the war on cancer. And we're going to fight cancer with a checkup and a check. That was a commercial on national TV. The best way to stop worrying about cancer is to make that phone call. Tell your doctor you want a checkup. And that's not all. Go ahead and write out that check now. Support scientific research, such as virus studies and radiology. Help science find a cure for cancer. Help science discover facts that someday may save your life. Fight cancer with a checkup and a check. 
And as medicine has made some breakthroughs, and we're all grateful for those, and as there have been treatments for diseases that used to be automatically fatal, then people more and more came to the hospital and end-of-life care had to be provided here in the hospital. Uh, the problem is the hospital is really set up for illnesses that are acute and severe and not so much for illnesses that are chronic and slow moving. And there's been this disconnect. That's where the hospice movement really has helped our country and that when hospice started in the U.S. in the early 1980s, they started this movement of you can go home if you like. You can still be surrounded by people you care about, and you don't have to be hooked up to machines if you would prefer to go home. And it's been a real, I think we've done a disservice to the public because they're confused. <laughs> they're not sure where they're supposed to be. But I can tell you, having had this conversation hundreds of times, if not a couple of thousand of times, people know what they want when they're at the end. And they pretty much, actually without the doctor or a CT scan saying so, pretty much know when they're at the end and have said some beautiful and courageous things so that their family can act on that. And I think you're going to start to see the pendulum swing the other way now that more and more people are going to elect to go home when they think that this is the end of their life and fewer and fewer elect to stay in the hospital. But we have to be open-minded and non-judgmental. There are many families who feel that if their loved one dies in the hospital, that means that the family did everything that they could. And we respect that opinion as well. And there's others, like the guy I saw today in the ICU. He told his son and his wife his goal was to get home to Asheville. Okay, so we respect that one as well. So hospice, by definition, is a Medicare benefit. In fact, it's called the hospice Medicare benefit, which means that it has a lot of rules around it, one of which is that a patient has to have a doctor say that they have six months or less to live. Now, that scares a lot of patients and families. So I want to say right up front that if you live longer than six months, we don't have to take your life. You simply re-enroll in hospice, and you get another six months. And hospice, because it is the last six months of life, is by definition end-of-life care. And it can be provided in a number of settings, home, nursing home, or the hospice house, or what hospice calls the inpatient unit. And the inpatient unit is reserved for those people at the very end of life. And hospice and nursing homes and home can be provided in the last six months. So it is a wonderful benefit that allows people to go home but not suffer. And the hospice nurse and social worker and chaplain all come to your house. And importantly, they provide medical equipment, such as a hospital bed, oxygen, nebulizer therapy, bedside commode, and very importantly, provide medications that they bring to your house so that you 
don't have to go to a pharmacy. I have been a family member with hospice in our home three times, and it was a wonderful Medicare benefit that allowed our loved one to be at home and not in the hospital. Lastly, we'll hear from Vicki Leff, a clinical social worker who works with the palliative care team. Uh, my name is Vicki Leff. I'm a clinical social worker with the palliative care consultative team here at Duke University Hospital. I guess I would define myself as the mental health provider on the team, and so I am responsible for providing psychosocial support, emotional support um, for people who are being seen by our service here in the hospital and their family members. Vicki Leff will give us some more information about the definition of hospice care, where it is practiced, and who should receive it. Hospice care um, is for folks who do have a terminal illness and for whom their physicians say that should things go along the way they're going, that they have a likelihood of surviving about six months or so. Do people live longer than that in hospice? Absolutely. Do they live shorter? Yes. But it is for end-of-life care, specifically for that. Um, and uh, hospice care has been around a long time. There's really two places, maybe three, where you can get hospice care. One in the most that's used most often is hospice home care. So that is a type of care um, that is provided to folks who are at the end of life who want to stay in their home. Um, what it looks like literally is it kind of looks like home care, if that's something that you're familiar with, which is where a nurse will come out to your house um, not terribly often, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, depending on what your, your needs are, and check in on you and be kind of the eyes and ears for the physician who is your primary care physician taking care of you. Folks who are in hospice care, usually um, you would choose it because you might be having some symptoms or some distress or maybe some pain management that you need help with. If you're doing fine at the end of life and you don't need any extra services at home, then you don't need hospice care. But many times people do because they might experience some symptoms that are a little more difficult for family to manage. And they want someone to come in and check in on them and see, well, how is your pain doing? Is that pain medicine working okay for you? Or maybe it's gotten a little bit worse. Or maybe you're having trouble with eating. Maybe you're having trouble with weight loss. Um, maybe you're just really anxious and nervous because you're facing something that's really, really difficult. Hospice care provides nursing care in the home, um, skilled nursing, as well as nursing assistants. And those are the folks who can help with bathing and dressing. Sometimes if someone's debilitated, maybe they can't get out of bed very easily, it's really hard for a family member to know how to do the kind of sponge bath or uh, bathing that nurse, nursing aides know how to do really, really well. Or they come and assess their symptoms and see how they're doing. Hospice home care also provides chaplain services, social work services, and they also almost always provide a nurse that's available by phone 24-7, uh, which is a, just a tremendous weight off of people to know that at 2 in the morning, uh, maybe someone's having a hard time breathing and they're really worried about it. Um, you can call that nurse. They're going to answer you that if they need to come out, they'll come out. Or on the phone, they'll walk you through. Okay, remember that medicine that we put in your fridge? Why don't you go get that? I think that's what's going to help right now and really help you through a crisis. Whereas otherwise, you might end up in the ER, um, which for most people who choose hospice care, 
they've kind of at the point where they don't really want aggressive interventions anymore. They don't want to end up in the ED um, with uh, waiting 12 hours to be seen. They really want to stay at home and be comfortable. And so the hospice team, um, which is the physician, nurse, uh, social worker, chaplain, nurse's aide, are there to help you and your family figure out what best meets your needs. It's not one size fits all. Some people don't like people coming into their home, and so they're not there all the time. I do want to say, just on the, on the flip side of that, it is not 24-7 care at home. It is not a nurse who stays with you around the clock. That is not available through anything other than private paying. Hospice care is really a type of care um, that focuses on quality of life at the end of life. Now, sometimes the other place that hospice care is provided is what's called an inpatient hospice house or unit, um, which sometimes can be attached to a hospital. Mostly, most of the time it's not. It's a separate location, separate house that kind of would look like a like an extended stay hotel sort of thing, but it's equipped with a lot of medical equipment and it does provide 24-7 nursing care like a hospital room would, not in the home. So sometimes if people experience that their symptoms are kind of getting out of control and they do need uh, a nurse 24-7, maybe they need an IV medication, um, then they'll move from home into the hospice unit uh, and that's called inpatient hospice. Um, that and home hospice is covered at 100% under every insurance plan, including Medicaid, that I'm aware of. So that means medications, visits, their inpatient stay in the inpatient hospice. It's a huge burden off of families to know that they're not going to have to pay a copay of any kind. And the hospice care will follow them through the journey till, till their dying time and through the end of life. They also uh, are the only services out there that provide bereavement care to the family for up to a year after someone dies. And that includes bereavement services to children, young adults, older folks, if they want to. Uh, but it's available and it's at no cost to the family as a part of that hospice service. So it is specific for folks who are dealing with someone that's really serious and terminal. Um, do people get better in hospice? Absolutely. Do they graduate and leave? Yep, they sure do. Uh, do people go, enroll in hospice and then decide, you know what, I think I do want that aggressive chemo? No problem. Then you disenroll from hospice and you get your aggressive chemo. It's not a problem. It's not something that's set in stone. Um, but it is a really, it can be a really helpful uh, service for families taking care of people at home or if they need symptom management in an inpatient setting. Now we'll hear from Eric Malin. His wife Judy received hospice care before her death and he describes how important the extra layer of support was for Judy and their family. We went to visit the inpatient hospice unit. Um, we went to look at it. I think I was pushing it because I felt like I needed help. And I felt like if I could have the number of a hospice nurse on my phone, boy, would I feel better as we were managing the end of Judy's life. It just became clear that the hospital wasn't doing anything else, right? And she was going way down on medication. Uh, even, you know, some of the other things she was taking to avoid, I, I don't even remember, um, 
our palliative care doctor uh, got rid of at the very end, so she was on very little, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe 10 days before we brought hospice in. And Just to help with that, the symptoms and kind of the transition and yeah. all the other, the questions and right, right. just and having bring, more support in the home. To bring hosp two hospital beds. So we moved yeah. into our guest room and uh, Judy and I s slept in hospital beds mm -hmm. next, to e next to each other uh, to be have somebody on the phone 24-7, um, to have somebody come put the catheter in for her toward the end of her life, um, somebody to, which didn't actually happen, come wash her body twice a week when she wasn't able to do that herself. But the, the, re, the social worker mm -hmm. who was with hospice came to our house and got to meet my kids. So it's just a team. Who, who, who wouldn't want it other than you don't want your loved one dying? But yeah. once that's the reality, and uh, hospice has uh, a bereavement group that I'm in, that I've been in for spouses. So it's care from, you know, that first meeting in September until today being held by that part of the hospital and that part of the system. W w one other story I can tell you yeah. about the benefits of palliative care have to do with a choice that Judy had to make about her ascites. Um, because it was so bad and, you know, I mean, Judy looked 10-month pregnant, and before she was sick, she was uh, in the best physical shape of any 56-year-old woman you would see. Um, worked out every day, Pilates, yoga, running. Um, managing the ascites became the issue, mm -hmm. and toward the end, everybody wanted Judy to get a Plurex. You know, a, 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 what, a Plurex or a pigtail, which is something to put in there, which would allow us to drain the ascites at home rather than going to the hospital weekly to do a periocentesis. And, um, but it meant that Judy wouldn't be able to bathe or swim. And Judy loved bathing and swimming. Mm -hmm. And she was in a pool six days before she died. And from the moment everybody was pressuring Judy to get the Plurex, mm -hmm. our palliative care doctor said, let's, I know you don't want it. I know what you want for the end of your life. Let's do everything we can to avoid it. And we did, and she never got it. And most disagreed with her, but she wanted to swim. And by the end, she couldn't swim without her sister on one side and a friend on the other side, but she wanted to be in the water. That decision is metaphorical, I think, for what a palliative care doctor, honor the wishes as well as you can. He helped Judy swim five days before she died. That was the biggest gift he could have given her.